Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. In today's show, we're speaking with Jamie McKean from Technology for Coaches, a company which, as the title suggests, provides technology assistance for business coaches. Okay, so in today's show, we're speaking about how Jamie has helped his clients to automate webinars to improve the sales for his customers and clients, and of course, to provide a better solution for all webinar attendees. So let's get stuck straight into today's episode. Welcome back to the show, listener. As discussed at the top of the episode, we've got Jamie McKean from Technology for Coaches on the line. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good today. Yourself? Yeah, fantastic. It's a nice Melbourne morning, brisk in the middle of winter, but uh, I certainly can't complain. You're probably in shorts and a t-shirt, whereas (laughs) in New Zealand, it's just damp and all the gray and anyway, carry on, carry on. (laughs) That's interesting because you're obviously a pom and you've moved to New Zealand. I would have thought you would have gone somewhere tropical or something like that. How long have we got on the call? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So in today's episode, the reason we've got Jamie on the line listener is that uh, Jamie's an expert in providing technology for coaches and and around automation. So we're going to delve into a little bit about Jamie and look at how he goes about automating webinars. So Jamie, why don't you kick off by telling us exactly who you are, where you've been and what you're doing now. Hi, my name's Jamie. I feel like I'm stood up in a room with a circle of people. My name's Jamie and I have a problem. No, I don't really. Not many times of the day. Jamie, as you say, a POM in New Zealand. There's a whole story on my about page on jamiemckeen.com of how I got drunk one night and woke up in New Zealand. Um, But my background for the past, probably past five or six years has been helping entrepreneurs with marketing. And for the past 15 years, self-taught technologist. So when you then put those two together, I've been told there's not many people in the world who can do both at an expert level. So that's what I do. And the reason why there's a focus on coaches is because as an ex-business consultant and coach myself, the more coaches I can help on a technology front, the more they can help other people. So it's the paying it forward or helping multiply, whatever the term is. Um, which is why uh, the focus on coaches and technology for coaches.com was born. And my team of 12 today and growing dedicated to helping coaches worldwide get ahead with technology. Yeah, that's fantastic. I guess the coaching industry, it's the reason that we're talking now is the fact that you and your clients do a lot of webinars. And I guess the coaching niche is one where you are generating a lot of leads and holding a lot of webinars. So what have you found from your large suite of clients? What's generally their biggest issue around technology and marketing? Well, how long have we got again? (laughs) Let's go back to the first question. It was easier. I guess there's different types of coaches and there's coaches who just don't want to know about technology. They're very good at what they do, but technology is just too hard. Don't want to know about it. Versus the other scale where there's coaches who are trying to get ahead with technology and trying to put the right things in place. Now, when we apply this to your webinars and the marketing side of things, Most people out there don't realize, in a simple sense, how long it takes to do a really good webinar. Some people think, I'll just whack a webinar together and just deliver it. And then they look at some of the top performers out there and think, why are they making so much money and how come they're doing so well? And that's because those top performers have looked at a webinar as a whole system. 
and they've built it with a view for a medium to long-term view that they're not just building it as a one-off, they're building it to repeat it because you've probably heard and quite a lot of the listeners will probably know that it takes two or three or four webinars to get in a really good flow delivering a webinar, which means you're really good delivering it, you get better responses off the attendees and assuming it's a sales webinar, you're going to get higher conversion. Because it takes those two to three to get those good results, the longer term so the thought leaders in the space know that actually, how do I build a system around this webinar? How can I plug in the right emails up the front? How can I plug in the right sets of emails and sequences off the back to then make sure that when I deliver it next time, the second and the third and the fourth time, it's less, less effort building those mechanics around it and more focusing on the pure delivery to get the better performance results. Yeah, sure, sure. So it, it does, it makes a lot of sense. So I guess saying that there'd be a number of components that you could look at when looking at a webinar and a webinar series, would I be close in saying that you'd almost say it's pre-webinar, during webinar and after webinar as the three main components? You'd probably add another one up the front, which is to get people to sign up to the webinar, sure. so to promote the webinar, Yep, and then that they would be the four, yes. All right, well, fantastic. How about we go through all of those stages, and we'll focus mainly in this interview on the pre-webinar, like in terms of the, the automation and, the, and, again, the post-webinar, but we'll touch off on all four stages. So let's start with stage one, getting people onto a webinar. Okay. So I guess the, and some of this is borrowed from my friend Taki Moore, by the way, so I'll give credit where credit's due up the front. And that's how you and I met with doing some of the automation on Taki side of things. But from a front end, we have the promote of getting people to actually sign up to the webinar. So that's uh, probably two or three email campaign going out to your existing list, whether it's to your existing list or via JVs to get people to sign up. How, how detailed do we want to get here on the technology, by the way? I don't think we need to go too detailed on the technology. Okay. I think there are solutions that you can probably brush over as to how you can connect everything and, and whatever. Not, it's probably more the actual meat in terms of the flow of emails, et cetera, or how you actually go about attracting and encouraging people to sign up and then join in on the webinar. I think that's the, the real key takeaway. Okay, cool. Look, as well, probably from an overview, I did this recently with one coach. And we mapped out all of these stages. And I think from memory, there was 19 emails across the whole campaign. So straight away, that gives you an indication of how much there is going on in the background. So you have your first two or three emails to get people to sign up. And at the sign up, I've seen on your blog, you've had Clay Collins on, lead pages, great tool, you want to use it. This is assuming that you're using either Office Autopilot or Infusionsoft and you're looking to use GoToWebinar. So lead pages is a great fit for that. Get them to sign up, lead pages, and then in your Office Autopilot, let's just focus on Office Autopilot from a conversation, you'd then have a number of, it's called stick emails or show up emails to get someone to show up because people may get 100 people sign up and then wonder why only 15 people show up. So it's having two to three emails, talking about the benefits and the best things that they're going to get out of this to make them want to take that emotional leap in a sense and the commitment to spend the time with you on the webinar. Sure. So in those emails, are you actually including the link to join in each one or is it more just building up to it and then as you get closer, you start including the link? You'd probably put once they've registered, you'd put a link to join in all of them just because that someone may think when they come to attend, I'll just search for such and such and they just want to find it easily. So you put the link in every one. Now, how to do that? 
with if we were using GoToWebinar, when people sign up, GoToWebinar normally sends out their own emails. Mm. And quite a lot of people just rely on those. Whereas what you want to do, especially with our new ability via Fused, which is a great little tool, is allow that when they sign up, Fused can put the actual join URL into their contact record in Office Autopilot. And therefore, you can write the emails, two, three, or four emails with their unique link inside of their email. So that's what I do. Sure. And I guess so. I'm looking at it from the, the bias perspective as the, the founder of Fused, but certainly this was a, a feature request requested by Taki himself. And prior to that, I would have personally just been using the GoToWebinar reminder email. So what is the one key component of why would you want to be sending out your own emails as against let, letting GoToWebinar handle that for you? That's a great question. Now, as a listener, if you're listening to this and all you do is let GoToWebinar go out, imagine for the person receiving those, if they go to a few webinars and that's all they get is those standard go-to webinars, it just washes over them. Mm. It's the same as getting junk mail. It just washes over them. There's nothing different. Whereas if you write your own, then you can really be talking to their emotional hot buttons. You can really be getting them excited about the event. You can be delivering them some pre-event information. You can be just talking about scarcity. You can be talking about all the different things you'd use in copywriting to get someone to attend. That's why you'd move away from the go-to meeting and go to webinar ones and do your own. Okay, that's fantastic. So you've got, did you say four or five emails? Yeah, it depends on the time, time frame. You probably want to send one every couple of days. And then when you get closer, you start doing a countdown. So you'd say it's on tomorrow and then four hours to go and then one hour to go. And if you've set it up, you can even send SMS as a reminder which we've had great success with because SMS has such a good open rate. Yep. And is that using something like a callloop.com? That could be, yep. There's a few different s- systems out there that you connect either OAP or Infusionsoft to. Yep. Okay, listener, I'm just going to get a little bit meta here just for a second, so bear with that. I think this is important. So building out this campaign sequence, you talk about doing a bit of a countdown. Let's, for, against maintaining Office Autopilot through the conversation, mm-hmm. the emails, do you have them timed to send out a certain amount of time before a specific date and time, or is that based on whenever the user registers? No, great question. There's two questions that are probably in people's head. One question will be, how come you're sending so many bloody emails, mm. number one? And the second question is exactly what you've just said. How would you do it to make sure it's right? I'll do, the, I'll do them in order. I'll answer my own questions in order, if I may. <laughs> the first one is, you have to remember from a marketing perspective that they've asked to be there. So really, you're doing a reminder service to help them get there. You're not spamming them. You're not bugging them. It's really interesting that when you look at campaigns that might send four, five, six messages to remind someone there's very small amounts of unsubscribes and if any, usually zero complaints because people have asked to be there and that you're reminding them. So that's number one. You're doing them a service technically. <clears throat> the second one is using Office Autopilot. We use a, a date sequence versus a step sequence. Mm. And what we need to create, and we'll add a feature request after this interfused, but what you need to create to start is a rule inside of Office Autopilot which says when someone subscribes to this, then, and you have a an event, you add the event inside of Office Autopilot of the day and the time of the webinar as sure. an event. And then you add a rule to say when they sign up on this form, add this event timestamp to their contact record. And then that event stamp 
is used in the date sequence to count them down from the event. So that means everyone gets the same four days to go, three days to go, one day to go, four hours to go, and it's all timed correctly. Fantastic. And that makes a lot of sense. I can see exactly where you're coming from there. Yeah. All right. So that's fantastic. Okay. So from sign up leading up to, let's say, do you start sending emails two weeks prior or a week prior? How frequent are they leading up to the webinar? Yeah. Again, it's more, if someone's that, if planned it that far ahead, there's very rarely do I, do I get people going, yes, I've thought about this four weeks out. Normally they're like, I want to do a webinar next week. Let's go. <laughs> but if you do, it's, you would likely have, uh, I call it a keep in touch or a long-term nurture. You'd likely be sending them emails once a week anyway mm. for your normal marketing. So what you'd want to do is have a blackout window and then start marketing your event. And so you'd start saying, sign up for the webinar. When they sign up, you've turned every other sequence off and then you're just reminding them to attend. You don't send anything else. With that in mind, then you probably want to start marketing about 10 days before because two weeks might be a bit too far out, but 10 days before you do a 10 day, then a seven day, then a five, then a three, then a two, one, half a day, et cetera, countdown. Yep. And depending on, I said an SMS idea before, depending on where people are in the world, some people may have signed up just to do the replay and then you're texting them at one in the morning, might not go down so well. Just keep that in mind for your own audience. It's a very good point. All right, moving on, we're looking at the actual webinar component. I don't think we should focus a lot on this because there's a lot of information already out there on how to run a good webinar. Someone like a Lewis House, some of the information he provides is fantastic. That's probably where you go to look for that information. Do you have anything to add that's contextually relevant to our conversation here, Jamie? Not specifically, apart from within the coaching space. Taki has a fantastic um, webinar training specifically for coaches. That's probably to add value. Fantastic. We'll include that in the show notes as well. One thing I think we should probably do is the type of webinar that we're building out this campaign for, I guess, is it's a sales webinar. Definitely a sales webinar. Yeah. And a sales webinar, whether you say it's a, whether you know that you've done a full pitch in it and you've, you work through a product near the end, or whether it's a really soft pitch that you just add massive value. And then at the very end, you say, by the way, if you want to talk to me about this, just give me a call or go to askjamie.com for information. That URL is not mine, by the way, so don't go there. <laughs> but the, if it's something that you're going to repeat and it's going to make you revenue, then yes, you're going to want to, going back to what I said near the beginning, you're going to want to do this two or three times mm. to get the flow. And also when we start moving to automation and evergreen to record it, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Okay, fantastic. Let's move on and speed through the actual webinar itself. And let's start looking at Post-webinar, what's the best practice for following up post-webinar? So what's typical for you and your customers? There's three types of people you want to think about from your webinar perspective. There's people who attended and watched it, pretty much all of it. The key thing we're trying to do, especially if it's a sales webinar, did they get to the point where I started talking about the product? Yes or no? So number one, did they attend and did they watch it? Number two, they didn't show up. Or number three, they attended, but they left early. So there's those three types of people. And what we want to be able to do is then market differently after the webinar to those three different types of people because you'd use slightly different language. And you'd probably have, you'd have, to, if we're sticking with Office Autopilot, you'd have three different sequences for the technologists in the room. It's a step sequence, by the way. But you would have one for attended, one for no-show, and then one for left halfway or left early. Let's say you have four emails in each one of those, total 12 emails, 
And each one of those emails talks about, I talked about a special offer and there's a time frame on it and it's the countdown of the time frame, which is standard for the end of a webinar. Email number one, you would change specific to each of those people. Whereas you could likely leave emails two, three, and four to be the same for those three streams. Got you. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. So the first one would say, hey, thanks for attending. Really hoped you enjoyed it. I promised that I'd give you a replay if you wanted to look at it. Here's the link or the link's coming soon. I'll send it to you tomorrow, etc." Someone who didn't attend said, sorry, you missed it. It was the best thing ever since sliced bread. The replay will be out tomorrow. And then the left early is, sorry, you had to leave early. Those things happen. Here's the replay I'll be out tomorrow, just in case, to make sure you get a chance to see the special offer I talked about at the end to help you get it in your business or something like that. That's off the top of my head. Okay, fantastic. So I guess it's really just to be contextually relevant to your webinar attendees. Is that essentially all we're trying to do here? That's exactly right. And that's the perfect marketing of talking the language that's right for the person. Yeah, fantastic. So would you almost then just have the three step sequences with that initial email in it and then migrate them all back into the one step sequence after that? No, I wouldn't. All I'd do is I'd just have the, using Office Autopilot as an example, you just have the message and just put that into Mm. the sequence. It doesn't take five minutes to do that. And then you can just track how many people go through it. So that's, I'd just leave it like that. Okay, fantastic. And then so typically you're still providing the same content in terms of you're you're always going to offer the webinar replay regardless of if someone attended or attended to the end. Correct. Because some people may, if you think about it from an attendee's perspective, they may have watched it and thought that was bloody brilliant. Mm. I'd love to watch that again. I want to show my wife or yeah, I'm about to spend the 2000, but I really need to let my wife um, give me my credit card back. Something like that to most people will be thinking that. Okay, fantastic. So now with the replay, I guess with a sales type webinar, you're actually trying to have people take action. So I would assume, and you're you're obviously going to tell us now, that you're only going to keep that webinar replay up for a certain amount of time. Yeah, there's different schools of thought. Some people say don't even give a replay, so they have to turn up and they have to take action there. That's more of a a gun to the head type approach Mm. and not my style. Definitely having a replay because things get in the way in life. But the whole aim as someone delivering that webinar is to get the other person to consume it. And if they consume it and take action, you've done your job. If they consume it and not take action, either they're not right for you or you didn't do your job properly in terms of delivery and putting that together. But the whole aim for us as delivering webinars is that they consume it. Okay, so let's again get a little bit meta in terms of how you host that webinar replay. Is it literally, is it like a replay of the webinar or is it you're just hosting the video somewhere? There's a couple of things you could do here. If you delivered it and you thought you did really crappy, you could deliver it again a few days later and call it an encore. Yep. And because you haven't sent the emails out yet, you could quickly go in and adapt those emails that are probably ready to go if you just come off and your head's down and you think, I really wish I did this differently and did this differently and change that around. So I've had that happen with a couple of clients. And so they've switched it to an on-call versus a replay. Whereas other clients who are really comfortable on webinars will deliver it, they'll record it. That's the most important bit, by the way, press record. <laughs> um, real technical thing, red button. Is it? <laughs> but the in the replay, what we want to do then is have a a, a page we'll call it a sales page with the replay on and then likely a timed button that would appear, which would be either a link to another sales page or a link to the cart, depending on what the call to action is at the end. Sure. And again, to stay consistent, probably the easiest solution for that is, is again, lead pages. 
It can be, yeah, because they have uh, good links through. Though lead pages, I don't think time of recording has a buy now button on them just yet. Mm, they do, some of them, and you can time them in as well. Oh, okay, then. Thank mm. you for educating me. I'll go update myself on that one. I haven't <laughs> looked at it in a few weeks. Yes, then that's the best answer. Good job. Well done. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Let's look at some of the, the other options. So you were hosting those videos, like in just like a video player, like a YouTube or a Wistia or something, or is it a, a specific set of software that you're using for webinars? It depends. Going down the path of Office Autopilot yep. and GoToWeb, we started this whole process with GoToWebinar and Office Autopilot. And that's what you do at the beginning of anything. Though actually one of my clients did record it on his computer with Camtasia and then plug that straight into Stealth Seminar sure, without having um, an audience. And that's still converting and that's a $2,000 ticket item. But assuming that you go through a GoToWebinar and you, you do that, then once you've recorded it, the next steps are one of probably two or three different steps. One would be use Wistia. And then you could add the same type of logic of they watched it halfway through or not, and then use Fused to flick them into different extra sequences if you want. AP. Yep. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it would just be to have a, a YouTube video for them to watch and just hope it works, but that's called hope marketing. So that's probably at the bottom. It's the quickest way to do it, but that'll be the bottom. The third one as well could be to plug it into Stealth Seminar. And I'm, I'm a fan of Stealth Seminar. Some people aren't. And then use Stealth Seminar and integrate Stealth Seminar back with Office Autopilot to give you the same type of function as in how far did they go through? Did they get to call to action one? Did they get to call to action two? And then potentially kick off different sequences and Stealth Seminar integrates beautifully with Office Autopilot to be able to do those things as well. Yep. And the difference between Stealth Seminar and GoToWebinar, what's the main point of difference there? The, the guess the look and feel. If your market is experienced with webinars, they're probably quite used to seeing GoToWebinar, so it's more of a comfort thing for them. Whereas Stealth Seminar, and yes, you can deliver live through Stealth, Though, if your market's not too up on webinars, then I really like Stealth Seminar in terms of it's, it literally is a set and forget. I've got one client who loves his cricket and he's sitting there watching cricket as $2,000 orders are coming through. <laughs> and when people are typing in the comments box answering his questions, they just come to his email and then he responds. Sure. So it is personal preference. I've got other clients who just love GoToWebinar and would rather be there live. And I've got other clients who use GoToWebinar, have a recording, and then get another team to press play on the recording through the GoToWebinar so it looks live. So there's a few okay. different things you can do behind the scenes. All right, fantastic. Now, one thing that is really interests me is that from a logistics point of view, when you're holding multiple webinars, how are you handling the sequences? Are the sequences evergreen where you can reuse them and just plug in the webinar you're using? Or are you building out a set of sequences for every single webinar? The former, they're evergreen. Mm. Uh, so the only, the little trick I told you before about the rule, which plugs in the date stamp for the event, that would be the only thing you need to tweak. And from our experience, a little thing infused, quick change of the actual webinar that it's pointing to, and then everything else is set up. Okay, so I guess that's a consideration when building out your sequence is to keep it generic enough that it can be reused when I say, I guess when you say generic and when I say reused, I'm assuming that what you mean is that you're delivering the same webinar. Oh, got you. Okay. So same title, different date. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. If you're going to do a different webinar, then what you can do is lift, because if you remember at the beginning, I said there was about 19 emails in that whole process, if not more. And so you want to try and 
reuse that. That's like a whole machine. And you want to try and use that two or three times. And it might be you say, actually, I'll run that every three months. But then next time I run, it's easy. It's just mm. some promotion and the rest of it just kicks off. Or you can automate it like a number of my clients do. And one of my clients has it run twice a week. So at certain times for time zone, it's connected to stealth. He does nothing. And the $2,000 ticket items sell every single webinar. Brilliant. Uh, that's fantastic. All right, Jamie, I think that's a whole heap of awesome information. Before we hit record, we were just going down the path of some of the different automation tools we were using, and we thought it'd be interesting to include here. So, Jamie, you've mentioned you were, you've just gone across to HubSpot as an automation tool. What advantages and benefits have you seen of going across to HubSpot? The thing I love about HubSpot, there's a few different things. When I work with my top-end clients, one of the biggest challenges anyone has in the online space is the tracking and measuring. So yes, we can set up Google Analytics, Google Goals. We can have conversion on all the different website pieces. And if you understand what I'm saying there, you'll understand the effort that's needed for each one and probably three or four different tools you need to talk to each other. Whereas HubSpot just does it all for you. So it just has, it's in HubSpot's language, it's called closed loop analytics. Mm -hmm. And the whole premise of HubSpot is inbound marketing, which is a recently new term to me, inbound marketing, but it's the thing I've been doing for many years. I just didn't know it was called a name. <laughs> and that's all about putting yourself out there, putting out your help, really offering help to people. So when they go looking, they find you and then they're attracted to you and what you offer. So the inbound is people coming towards you, which is great for people who don't like selling. So I'm not a big salesperson, but I love the marketing. And then you have a queue of people saying, Jamie, I want to do what you do. Teach me how to do that and show me how to do the behind the scenes stuff. Like things that really attract me to HubSpot are things like their smart call to actions where you can, it'll change up the call to actions on your site dependent on what the viewer has actually subscribed to already or has already redeemed. Once that viewer is known and they've given you your email address, how does it compare to an Infusionsoft or an Office Autopilot? Is it as feature rich on that side of it? It's a great question, but I don't think it's apples for apples comparison. Mm. I've got, I, I ran Office Autopilot for a number of years in my business. I had to switch just because they didn't have a payment gateway in New Zealand. So I went to Infusionsoft and I've been running Infusionsoft for a couple of years, both of which my team support for other people. Now, HubSpot doesn't do e-commerce, so that's, it's not like, for, but the reporting that I can get out of HubSpot blows the other two out the water. Mm. Yes, you can get granular tracking inside of Infusionsoft when you add the web tracker to a website or the same with Infusions P and you've got the plugin, the same pepper plugin into your Gmail and you can see people on your site. Played with all of those. But with HubSpot, you can see, okay, this is how many people went to that site. This is how many people converted at this percentage. This is how many call to actions were viewed. This is how many call to actions were clicked. This is how many then converted on this landing page. It's all on a dashboard that I can just look at and within seconds make decisions from a business and the top-end clients are moving the same way as well because they come to me saying, Jamie, I've just spent 8000 last month, four grand on Google AdWords and three grand on SEO. I said, great, what results have you got? And they said, we don't know. <laughs> so you don't know. Okay, why don't we find out by adding tracking and closed-loop analytics? And that's what HubSpot does. So you're then using it concurrently still with Infusionsoft? Correct. Fantastic. At this point, though, I'm also um, beta testing Nanocast mm. um, over here in New Zealand. They're launching with a payment gateway. And so there's plans for me to start using the e-commerce on Nanocast once that's up and running over here in, in NZ. 
Brilliant, which is a conversation for another time. <laughs> it is. We, yeah, we still have the first question. How come yeah. you're in New Zealand? Yes, we'll yes. add them to the list. As yeah, well. yeah, absolutely. All right, James, thanks very much for your time. Now, I know you'd probably, some of our listeners would benefit from knowing a little bit more about your services. So where can they find a little bit of information about you and what you offer? Yeah, no worries. If you're a coach, then that's easy. Go to technologyforcoaches.com. It's sort of in the name of what we do there. <laughs> And if you're looking for help on the automation side of things, then there's a website called automatingyou.com. And that was built with a view to show people what automation can do. And there's a something they call an awesome automation experience. I think it had a drink when I came up with that name. <laughs> but you go in there, put your details in, and it just walks you through a whole set of automation from email, SMS, voice broadcasting, et cetera. So you can actually see how it works. Technologyforcoaches.com or automatingyou.com. Fantastic, Jamie. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I know our listener out there has uh, certainly also probably gotten a whole heap of benefit from you. So thanks very much for coming on. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thank you.